Hey there. My name is Aubrey Henderson. I'm a self-worth coach and professional calm in the chaos. I believe that when you're feeling stuck in your life and you can't decide on the next right step, that getting some perspective or a pep talk from someone outside of your shoes can be an absolute game changer. This podcast is that pep talk. Every week, I'll share my responses to listener questions, real life coaching sessions, and interviews about topics that you can connect with and learn from. All things that will help you to reconnect with your own self-worth and inner goodness and vision for your life so you can feel great and get shit done. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey babes, welcome to this week's episode. So I got a question from a listener on Instagram asking me to um, talk on an episode about having healthy boundaries in your relationship with your work. And so I love this topic. I think that it is so, so important because, well, having boundaries in all areas of your life is a good thing. I know that you all know this is what I believe, um, or I hope you know that by now. Um, you know, you know how I feel about boundaries in general as a recovering people pleaser myself, um, you know, a way to kind of overcome that tendency or those set of tendencies is to, you know, get super clear and grounded in your own boundaries. And that's something that has literally saved my life. Um, but I think that for anybody, it absolutely is key to know and to uphold your own set of boundaries and, That is not just in your personal life or your family life or whatever. It is also at work. And so, yes, uh, it is absolutely okay to set boundaries at work. It's more than okay. It is healthy. It is necessary. And so um, today I actually asked some folks on Instagram to share places where they struggle the most with this, with um, setting boundaries at work. And I heard from a lot of you, but um, with a few common themes that popped up. And so I wanted to talk about these, not necessarily by individual question or submission, but but by theme. And so the first theme that came up in this um, was this idea of just being able to say no. And whether that's saying no to taking on a new project or, you know, taking on another commitment or stream of work or saying no to a change in your role, whatever it was, you know, this idea of not being able to say no and whether that's for for fear of just saying no and that act of saying no is really hard. Again, if you're a recovering people pleaser or a current people pleaser like me, saying no is really tough. Um you know, sometimes that's because you you fear that if you say no or say you can't do something, you'll be viewed as underperforming or failing in your role. And so I think a lot of times folks are, are just afraid to say no at work. Just in that setting in particular, it can feel really scary to say no. And sometimes for really good reasons, right? Sometimes, you know, it's like you really need this job and you can't afford to lose it. I mean, this, we we work mostly largely for a reason and that's to be able to make money and have income to sustain our lives and you know um that is something that you know is not easily given up for a lot of folks and so just kind of saying no willy-nilly doesn't doesn't really feel like something you can do and so you know if you need this job it can feel scary to say no to something that's a requirement of the role or 
you know, maybe your boss has emphasized the importance of something in particular that they need from you. This is this is really important. This is mission critical. Um, and then we're afraid to say no, you know, because it's it's really important. And we've gotten the message that that this is key. We can't really say no to this. Um, and then I think sometimes there are moments where it's not necessarily for one of those specific reasons, but we are afraid to say no because we are conditioned to believe that we don't get to say no. And this one's interesting because I think it comes up, um, I mean, where this theme came up from those of you who submitted responses to this um, Instagram story. Uh, the folks who talked about being afraid to say no were largely women. And I think there's a way that that women are socialized and not not only folks who identify as women, but, you know, it's a big theme for women of, you know, just not believing that we get to say no in life in general and at work as well. And so I think either way, whatever it is you're struggling with, if saying no at work is hard for you, I think what I would say is that, you know, um, saying no to something, it doesn't have to be this, I think we envision it as this like big fuck you moment of like, no, I'm not going to do that. Absolutely not. And it has to be this kind of big, dramatic, intense thing. And I don't think that's true. Um, And in my experience, that's not true. I, you know, think saying no can be something that you do in a really collaborative way, in a way that is kind of oriented toward problem solving or coming together to find a solution. And that, you know, um, depending on the situation, isn't isn't like always going to get you in trouble. Um, it's something that is helping you to, as we're talking about here, simply set a boundary. So, I mean, let's talk about that. Let's say you just have way too much on your plate at work and you just like, you know, there's too much shit going on. You have too much on your plate. Stuff is falling off. You just feel like you're drowning. It's a mixed metaphor, but you're with me. Um, <laughs> and I am familiar with this feeling personally, um, have felt this both at work um, in my life in general. Um, and being a parent has definitely intensified this for me. And, you know, in talking about parenting and being a working parent and kind of like managing all of these many things, um, someone gave me this analogy um, for motherhood. And this person was talking about motherhood specifically, I think parenthood in general. But, you know, someone gave me this analogy that's really stuck with me. And I feel like I've brought it up like 20 times in the last few weeks in conversation. But it's this idea that, you know, um, people ask you as a parent, especially as a working parent, like, how do you juggle it all? How do you juggle everything that you have going on as a parent? And what this person shared with me is that it's all about realizing that as you're juggling, some of the balls are made of plastic and some are made of glass. And so I'll say that again. It's as you're juggling all of these many things, the way that you manage to juggle everything is that you realize that some of the balls are made of plastic and some are made of glass. And that was that was so powerful to me. And I think I think that was so powerful to me because it, it what it does, and you know, this isn't the only thing that does that, I guess, is learning this analogy, but what this does is it gives permission for things to drop and have it be okay. And that's what the idea is of, right, if some of the balls are made of plastic, if they fall on the ground, it's not the end of the world. I mean, sure, you're not juggling them anymore. You don't have them in the air. They've fallen. But it's not the same as if one of the balls that's made of glass drops and it shatters, right? And so it's knowing the difference. It's being able to know the difference between you know, the commitments that are really critical and that if they fall through the cracks, like something bad is going to happen versus things that you might drop and it's not ideal 
And if they don't get done, it's not great. I mean, you want to be juggling everything and keeping it all in the air, but sometimes the ones made of plastic, is, you know, those are going to drop and it's going to be fine. The world is not going to end. And I think that this has broader applications. I mean, it's true at work as well. Uh, you know, being able to understand which of your work commitments, which parts of your role, which of the things that you're being asked to do are absolutely mission critical, important, cannot fall through the cracks, cannot go without being done, and then which things are a lower priority. And I mean, I think naturally in every kind of job, there are going to be things that are significant higher priority and there are going to be things that are lower priority. And that's not to say that those things can always be easily dropped like a plastic ball, but you know, there is some kind of ability to prioritize and rank things in order of importance. And so, you know, if you don't understand that distinction in your own role, if you aren't sure, then I mean, what I would say is that's a moment to, you know, recognize for yourself that 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 might require a discussion with your manager, with your boss, and not necessarily one that has to be super scary. I mean, I think the minute I'm like, well, you got to talk to your boss about that, people are like, oh, shit, like, I don't want to make my boss feel like I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, any of that. And I don't think that's what that conversation has to be. I think when we feel like we're not successfully kind of juggling or managing all the things we're being asked to manage, people can feel like that means that they're underperforming in their role. They can feel like that's going to be interpreted as like, you don't have your shit together. You don't know what you're doing. And what I would say to that is that if your manager is a good manager, which I, you know, I don't know your manager if you're listening to this, probably. I guess I might know your manager. But if, you're, if your manager is a good manager, um, then, you know, if you're coming to them proactively and you're saying, hey, I'm worried something's going to fall off my plate or something's going to need to be deprioritized because I'm not able to kind of manage all of these things at once, um, you know, I could really use your support in kind of determining the next right step or the best way to move forward. And what you're actually doing there is you're, I mean, you're kind of doing them a favor by helping to, and it's not necessarily doing them a favor, it's, I, I would argue, as part of your role as the person managing your work, but you're doing a positive thing by helping to identify a challenge or, you know, a concern before it kind of blows up into something bigger, right, into a bigger problem. And so sometimes the answer to that unfortunately might still be like, sorry, like you're expected to manage all of this. Like you have to manage it all. There's not really, there's there's no way, nothing can come off your plate. Nothing can be deprioritized right now. And I, the, I would say a few things about that. I think one, even if the answer is like, no, sorry, you still have to do it all. I think, you know, then you, at least you're crystal clear on that expectation and you're not just kind of guessing that that's the case. I think a lot of the time, if we're managing too much, it can just feel like, oh, the, of course, this is what's expected of me. This is what my boss wants from me. But we don't actually always know with 100% certainty that that's true. So I would say, you know, it's it never hurts to clarify that. And so once you've had the conversation, you know for sure what the answer is. You know what your boss's perspective on it is and what's expected of you. And having that clarity is always better than not, in my opinion. Um, and the second thing I would say, and I think this can feel scary for people to hear, but like, you don't have to stay in a job that feels unsustainable or crappy to you. And I get that there are deeper implications here, that there are a lot of different factors that play into this, that a lot of folks 
like can't just walk away from gainful employment because like oh you know my job's not my favorite or whatever that that's from probably most people that's reality and so I don't say that flippantly I don't say that like oh well just like you know if you hear something you don't want to hear then just quit not what I'm suggesting um but I would just also say that you're not trapped I mean largely most of the time if you know if you were able to to get a job doing what you're doing now, you can probably get a different one. Is that always easy? No. Again, not saying that flippantly, but, you know, it's okay. it would be okay to look for another job. It's okay to leave a job because you're not enjoying it, because it's unsustainable for you, because it's not working for you. It's okay to look. Um, and this kind of, you know, feeds into my next one, but I think we we are afraid of sometimes of looking for a different role or of exploring what's out there because we feel this sense of like extreme loyalty to the place where we work. And I would just say, I think it's great if you work somewhere where you you really enjoy it, you like and respect the people you work for and you feel a sense of loyalty by wanting to like do the right thing. And if you're going to leave, you want to give notice and all of that good, important stuff. Um, but I also think having some loyalty to yourself and your own professional development and your own mental health um, is more important, I would argue, than, um, you know, loyalty to the place that you work. Um, So the next theme that I heard in your responses on Instagram was around, you know, sourcing your entire identity from your work. So this one's hard. Um, I think for a lot of folks, a huge piece of who we are is what we do for a living, what we do for work. And like that's, I mean, that makes sense. We literally have a job where we get like a title at work that is applied to us. It labels us as our job function. And, you know, for many folks, you spend 40 plus hours a week at work. So just a ton of your time is spent doing your job, a huge percentage of your time. And so, of course, it's natural that we're going to feel this really strong sense that our identity is so deeply wrapped up in our work and in what we do and in, you know, who we are, what we are professionally. And then what that feels like conversely on the flip side of that is like, well, who am I without my work? Who am I outside of work? Who am I if I lost my job, if my job went away tomorrow? And so this is something that, you know, just to share a little bit personally, um, was hard for me when I became a parent about two years ago, um, I felt this pull of, you know, I had been, you know, in the working world for a while, had been a professional. That was a big part of my identity. And then I felt this pull of like, well, now I'm becoming a mom. So I'm not just a professional anymore, but I'm still a working professional and also a mom. But which one is more important or which one is more salient or which one is better you know, my Enneagram 3 comes out and like, which one is more impressive or, you know, blah, 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 all of this kind of craziness in my brain, this total kind of identity confusion that I isn't, it definitely isn't unique to me. I don't think it's unique to just like working parents. I think it's really hard to conceptualize ourselves separately from what we do professionally. Um, And, you know, how we spend all of that time and how we've, you know, many of us have invested years of education and training and, you know, kind of working our way up in terms of like experience or title or responsibility. Um, And so I think, you know, this it's a huge part of who we are. But I also think this 
is a huge part of creating boundaries at work because if work is all that there is to you as a person, then I think, you know, in that scenario, you are more likely to be someone who brings your work home and doesn't kind of have that, like when the workday ends, your work ends, you might bring your work home with you. You're more likely to kind of talk incessantly about work in your personal life and have that be kind of like the main feature about you. Um, You know, you're less likely to want to say no to things like we talked about before, even if it feels like too much, even if it feels overwhelming, because it's that's going to be a lot scarier to do when your job is kind of most of who you are. And so I think, you know, what I would say here is like cultivating a sense of identity outside of work and in a way that doesn't make your work unimportant because, you know, work is important. It's an important part of who we are. To many people, our work is very meaningful to us. So I don't think, you know, necessarily de-emphasizing your work as being unimportant, but that also acknowledges that you have shit going on outside of work that's also important and meaningful. And if you're listening to this and you're like, well, Aubrey, I don't have shit going on outside of work that's important and meaningful, then I think that's a that's a data point. I think that, and I think you're not alone in that if you're listening and that is what you're thinking right now. Um, but I think that is significant because I think what that does is it is it lets us have these scenarios where our boundaries at work are really nebulous and it can kind of take over. And there's not this sense of like cultivating sort of your full self. I think it, you know, it can also mean that, you know, the idea of making a mistake at work or having something go wrong at work, it, you know, if you have kind of this broader sense of self of like, I'm a whole complete person separate from my work and, you know, that my work is just a piece of who I am, then the idea of fucking up at work feels a lot more tolerable. I mean, if I believe I am a complete human being separate from my job, my job is great. But if I fuck up at my job, that is not an indictment on my entire identity. You know, it doesn't mean I'm now suddenly worthless because I fucked up at my job and I lost my job and and now everything is gone, right? And that's not to say it wouldn't still be upsetting, potentially devastating, really have a lot of implications, sure. But you know, I think there is really something to be said for cultivating that that full self and that full identity outside of work. And then finally, a piece that I think connects to this too, um, folks wanted to hear about creating boundaries with your colleagues. So with the human people that you work with. Um, and this one is, it's big and it's complicated and it's messy. Um, I will just say, I think it is great to be friends with or be friendly with your colleagues. I am friends with a ton of the people that I work with or that I've worked with in the past. Um, and I try to be friendly with just about everybody that I work with. I think it makes life better if you enjoy the people you're around when you're at your job. We spend so much fucking time there, so much energy, so much happens at work. And so enjoying the people you work with, it just makes life more enjoyable. But with that said, I think when you work together, Having some measure of boundaries are crucial, okay? And what also makes it complicated but also important is that those boundaries are going to be different for everyone. And I think where this, where this gets muddy and where I see this get, you know, something that, that irks me, that I see a lot, that is like just totally activating for me is this idea, you know, when people talk about 
their workplace or company or their startup or their team within their workplace as being, you know, kind of this like, oh, we're more like a family than a workplace. We're more like a family than a company, more like a family than a team. So to that, I say a big giant fuck no. Um, this is the definition of having having shitty boundaries at work. Um, and I think, you know, there are like team leaders that do this kind of thing. There are, you know, this happens kind of at all levels of different organizations. I've talked to folks in all different sectors who have kind of had this experience. It happens all the time. And I think the desire there is to create kind of like collegiality, to like make folks feel like they're looking out for each other. They feel cared for at work. And those things are lovely. Okay, those things are important. And I believe that you can create healthy boundaries with your family. So if you imagine like, okay, so work is like a family. I believe that like, you know, I feel like in many ways, for me personally, I've created healthy boundaries with my family. Um, Not perfect and like still working on it. I think it's possible to create healthy boundaries with your family if you put a lot of work and intention to it. And at the same time, I think a vast majority of people do not and have not. And so that this means if we treat our workplace like our family, then, you know, the things that are expected of us are not appropriate for a workplace. It means that we are constantly having to demonstrate our loyalty to each other and, you know, sticking up for each other in ways that might make us feel uncomfortable or that might kind of like subvert our own, you know, personal preferences or boundaries or needs at work. You know, we'll have to put others before ourselves in the same way you would for your family. You know, like, I'm sorry, I love my colleagues a lot. I'm also not trying to, like, die for anybody at work in the same way that I might for my family. I'm not trying to, you know, sacrifice kind of key important parts of my life and who I am for work or for my colleagues. You know, we we are, are then tempted to like play out these weird familial childhood dynamics <laughs> that we see in our personal lives where we have these like, you know, people will talk about having like, um, you know, somebody who's like a sibling to them at work or, you know, talking about their boss like they would talk about their parent at work. And like, so, you know, sometimes people joke about that. People joke about like having like a work wife or like, you know, whatever. And like, I you know, some of that it is really common and happens and I have like done these things myself and I think there's some real self-reflection to be had there about like okay how am I letting my own boundaries be more fluid than maybe I want to and again I say all of this to say like I have not been perfect in this arena um pretty much anything I talk to you all about is probably some shit that I have worked on or am still working on myself and so you know this is no exception but I think you know that's like the first thing that this like oh, my work is like a family, is a, it's just something that feels so common and is a way that we, I feel like we make excuses for shitty boundaries at work and shitty boundaries with our coworkers in particular. And so I just wanted to start off with that saying you're, that your coworkers are not your family. They're not. Your work is not your family. At the end of the day, you know, even if you are a generous human and you work at a nonprofit organization that works in your community and you're caring for a vulnerable population and you're doing direct service work and the work is emotional labor, work is still work. And like when you boil it all down, you are offering your services and expertise and labor 
in return for pay. Okay? And so what this means is like, you don't have to fucking follow people or let them follow you on social media if you don't want to. And like, sure, maybe, you know, if your job has something to do with social media and you have a professional social media presence, that's a different thing. But that is not stopping you from being able to do your job. Okay? You don't need to hang out with the people you work with for a non-work-related function if you don't want to, if you're still able to do your job without, you know, hanging out and being friends with people. And now would I be lying (laughs) if I said that that shit couldn't be used against you? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are some, some, you know, work environments that have like really specific kind of social politics at play. And there are some work environments where it's going to be weird if you're, you know, not being social and friendly outside of work with people um, and that that's going to mean that your your work can't get done in the same way or that you're going to, you know, kind of be at a disadvantage. And that all depends on where you are, um, where you work, what the vibe is there um, in terms of like, you know, how people kind of build up their social capital and get stuff done. And so it's something to be mindful of. Um, but what I do know is that your your boundaries with your colleagues can be negotiated very similarly to your boundaries with any other human person in your life. So like you, you know, no matter what, you get to communicate clearly what works for you and what doesn't in your relationships with your colleagues. And so maybe that's saying, oh, actually, you know, as as a practice, I just don't follow the people um, in my reporting line on social media. You know, I don't I don't follow the people who manage me or above me and I don't follow the people that I manage, Um, you know, but maybe down the road when we don't work together anymore Um, or maybe it's saying like hey thanks for the invite but you know my weekends are pretty packed with non-work stuff but you know thanks for thinking of me or maybe you're saying you know I actually I don't want to chat with you about religion at work um, but you know thanks for being willing to share it's the same way that you're negotiating boundaries in your friendships with people it's the same way you're negotiating boundaries in your romantic relationships I mean obviously like the topics and content of those boundaries are probably going to be a little different, but in the same way, it is okay and good to ask for what you need. I think that's the biggest theme with with all of these things that we've talked about, everything that you all asked about, whether that's having too much on your plate or feeling like all you are is your work or your job, or whether it's, you know, needing to set boundaries with coworkers. I think the biggest thing to remind yourself is that it's okay to say no. It is always okay to say no. And of course, you should, you know, know your audience. When you're saying no, you should get to know your manager um, and understand how they best communicate, how they receive feedback. Um, Be mindful when you're talking to your colleagues, of course, and kind of the same thing for them, how they receive feedback, how they communicate. But I would just say, I mean, I maintain that saying no is always an option in any scenario. You always get to say no. That is your right as a human person with autonomy. And that work is important, of course, absolutely. Um, But you're more than your job. And like, I'll say that again, because I think that's a powerful thing that I, I don't feel like we hear enough is that you are more than your job. You're a whole ass person And your work is only a small sliver of who you are. So just promise me that you won't let work take over and kind of, you know, break down all your boundaries 
and overshadow all of the other good stuff about you because there is so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson, and I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old-fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.